0: Welcome to the Compass Conversations podcast. We're a community of professional peers who love learning with and from each other. In other words, we choose collaboration over competition. Every conversation here is organic. Even the opening topic isn't settled until five minutes before we hit record. And the rest is riffing off of each other's brilliance. Thanks for hanging out with us in a new paradigm of learning, teaching, and expansion, where presence and non-competitive conversation create the space to learn without having to be schooled. Please visit CompassConversations.com to discover more about this peer community and to include yourself as a sponsor. Hey, welcome, everybody, to our next Compass conversation. I'm Carrie Lake, and I'm here today with these dear, beloved people Nishan Cook, Shay Stewart, Josh Nickel, Jillian Kreinbring, and Leslie Desmond. And before we open up our conversation, I'll just share our invocation with you, which is sort of the foundation. Um, to, to cultivate the energy and presence from which we share these conversations with each other. And these conversations are shared from our sense of connection, camaraderie, and love. This community of peers is curious to learn from and with one another, living, learning, and leading by example. We're exploring together, acknowledging the interspecies family on this planet, while lovingly including ourselves in the family of life, from the heart, for the heart. So thank you all so very much for being in the dance and continuing the journey together. And, um, you know, as we say, we don't really have a particular topic for each conversation, but there's curiosity as a starting point. So Jill, you were talking about uh, this amazing book by Charles de Cunfie, which I, who I love I love his contribution to the world. So please go ahead and and just share um, your thoughts and and where you'd like to, you know, launch our conversation. Yeah.
1: um, A friend uh, of mine and I, we started a a new book club called Books and Bourbon Equestrian Club. And we're we're taking a look at six books um, every other month and then interviewing the author of the book and or you know somebody associated with with that body of knowledge and we really wanted to start off with charles's book because if you've ever met charles he is if i if i could describe charles he's a gentleman he's he's classy he's an intellectual and he really eats sleeps and breathes his virtue and his ethics that he describes he gathered from his relationships with horses, and so the book is is called the Ethics and Passions of Dressage, and I'm just so enjoying the book because it it's it's helping me become more curious about my own value system, my own internal environment, in terms of who am I because of my relationships and my work with horses what does it say about my character and and he talks about the importance of looking at horsemanship beyond technique you know to to move beyond the old-fashioned paradigm of mechanical approaches to these sentient beings but to really look at them with profound love and to embody the fact that we can create art and it's a living art between horse and human. And that, that can only really develop if we partake in that dance by looking at our own character and how that's reflected in the relationship. So I've just been really curious, you know, since I've started reading that book, you know, diving in even more deeply than than even the the uh the summit that that we all partook in. Right? took place in um and just really looking at oh well now my horse just did something and i felt frustrated well why in the heck did i feel frustrated and just taking a pause and and getting you know to the heart of well why was that frustrating for me was it frustrating because i didn't have another um way to ask did i i get frustrated because i didn't have a meet an immediate correct uh understanding of of our conversation and uh just you know all different kinds of things and it, it's been a real pleasure to um to have meditation folded into my work with horses i mean working with horses is just another form of meditation so um yeah it offers a lot of opportunity to get curious about oneself
0: yes. It's amazing. I remember learning about Charles years and years and years ago. And, um, the little bit that I read just made my heart explode open, um, mm-hmm. because I just experienced him as so pure hearted as well. And then, uh, very articulate in his, his wisdom, his ability to share his insights. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are the rest of you familiar with Charles de Confie and his work or, um, Cause I can see parallels with, you know, each of us and how we all do our work. But I'm curious if you guys are aware of Charles. Oh yeah. 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 I'm actually, Leslie, I'm curious to hear from you too, because you and I had a conversation um, a couple of weeks ago where you, you said people are coming to you to learn um, more often who you know, who kind of get it in a different way. They're asking to learn in a different way and you finding yourself teaching in a different way. Is there some parallel between what you're seeing and and what Jill's brought forward for, you know, the ethics and how, how the horses have us look at ourselves? I think so, yes.
2: What do you see? Well, I think there's a big difference between in my work between setting a horse up to succeed and setting him up to be corrected,
3: because mm-hmm.
2: if you're making a correction, it means that he's not clear what you want, which means you're not clear on how you set it. He should do it. I mean, if you're educating a horse and looking for what you don't want, then you're educating other people to correct horses instead of to educate them. And it's a difference. Yeah, and that, that's what people are are wanting, because the correcting of the horse means that you're not educating in a way that he can catch it and run with it. It means you're 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 telling him that you don't want this and you don't want that. And the people I'm working with right now, there's about 30 of them around the place. I only take four at a time, just so you know, it's just four. And I just work with two people in the morning and two people in the afternoon for five days. And I make it just like I exploded on them. And then I need a week off. (laughs) And I mean, I just. I'll give them up to three hours a day. So everybody knows if you need three hours, you got it. I would prefer not to. That means I'm teaching 12 hours. Mm -hmm. And if anybody's asking for three hours, it means everybody has to watch. So people, that's the rule. As much time as you're asking for up to three hours, you got to be willing to watch other people. And that's, and I've never taught that way before until after COVID. And I just started that about, and I'm, I'm just saying it they said well just show me you know most people they'll say well i don't want to be mean to my horse anymore i've seen the light i've done all of that i want to do okay now tell me what i'm doing wrong and i said what you don't want me to teach you to correct your horse now i'm supposed to correct you no that doesn't work i gotta apply the same thing to the people that i do the horse you know so if i want the horse to put his nose over there and he doesn't because he didn't understand me. And I have to go back to myself and say, what could I have done from that horse's point of view that was unclear so that he did what either someone else taught him to do or what he thought I meant. And then, uh, and even though people show up and want this type of, uh, going around, it's, it's another way of looking at the same thing. I want to get that horse through that gate, but maybe, Maybe he's been pushed so hard through that gate that I got to say, well, would you mind backing through it for me? He said, oh, yeah. Why didn't you ask? (laughs) So I'll put him through a gate and back him up like he's backing out of a trailer or backing out of someplace he doesn't want to be if he can't go forward because he's been confused about going forward. Then he finds out, you know, this is just an example, but the the thing for the people is they they're willing to be corrected by me and begging for it, but they don't want to correct the horse anymore. Cause they've overdone that. Mm. So I don't know how that really jives with Charles. I've seen him a number of times, never to speak to. I don't know him personally. No, but yeah. I don't know if it's the same. What do you think Jillian?
1: Yeah, I, I think we're kind of moving. I agree. 100% with you, Leslie, Beyond that, that approach of always making the horse wrong, and really looking at how are we communicating, and and we typically, you know, if, if we think about all of our proprioception um, inputs, I mean, we could we can communicate visually, we can communicate auditorially, we can communicate through touch, uh, we can communicate through energy, and I think we are in the emergence of being able to communicate more with horses through our thoughts and our energy and just the dance and the use of our body instead of you know correcting 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 and then manhandling physically and uh you know uh, putting horses in frames or postures or, or or what whatever but but i think you know when we look at horses in the past, they were the beast of burden, right? They they were the the, the 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 poor creatures that that took us to war, that that plowed our fields, that acted as our transportation, that you know they were a part of our communication system by delivering messages and mail. And then the industrial revolution happened, and and now people have horses because they want to have a profound loving relationship with horses for the most part, if they don't put their ego first always. Right. And now I think the horses are, are, are serving, serving the humans in in a completely different way. And that is uh, healing and awareness and growth. Um, and I think people, the human race is really ready to explore that, those types of relationships with horses and and to to move with them through time and space and relation uh through energy um and not force and so it's it's so much more about looking for the things that are right as opposed to always correcting the things that are are wrong and if it is wrong then we have to check ourselves and in and are we clear have we made it too complicated half the time we make it so damn complicated they can't understand then we get frustrated so it's a human problem
0: nishan this just makes me think about what you've been writing and posting about um recently and your awareness and how your your gratitude to the horses that come to you because of how they've assisted your own awareness and growth can do you want to talk to that at
3: y- yeah you know i think the i think when it comes to the ethical part, I and I and Josh and I had a conversation last week, and I'm not sure if I talked about this, but when it comes to the ethical part, um, Kant's, cat, Emmanuel Kant, his categorical imperative really helps me, right? And what it says basically is that you know we find value in a thing in two ways by allowing it to be an means to an end. Or allowing it to be a means or an end, or rather, allowing it to be an end in and of itself. With horses, I think that if we allow it to be a means to an end, we're looking at horses for ourselves. If we allow them to be an end in and of themselves, we're looking at horses for horses. And in that space, because I I've 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 competed in dressage and jumping and I've done all kinds of stuff. I've coached all over the place. But and I and I've done it, I've done it on horses that really nobody wanted. But what really has really opened my eyes um, to the possibilities of of allowing horses to trust themselves enough to feel safe with us has been, has been like, I don't know how it happened. All of these, there were just all of these broken horses that showed have been showing up in my life the last few years. Um, and it started with my, my horse now that's now 20. Um, and then there were other thing, there were other horses that came, but like, you know, recently there've been these last two years, there've just been horses that, who have come in with like major major things that the vet and the body workers and everybody had said isn't possible to fix um because i think that people thought that to help horses that the answer had to lay with people when in fact it i I found that like horses they let you know if they want to get better you know, they, they, they let, you know, they let you know. And, 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 if, and if they do want to get better, they show you how they they can do some amazing things with their bodies. And if we're just open, if we're just open to it, um, like there's this beautiful unfolding, but it was like Carrie and I were talking about before we started recording, like, as you grow, and I think that on, on Jillian's point, like as you grow into yourself, there are parts of yourself that then <clears throat> older part of your older parts of yourself that cease to exist because there's not room for everybody. You know, there's not room for everybody. And the thing, I think the thing that I think that where, where we are now is I think there's always been this tradition in, in the practice of being with horses all around the world where there were folks who worked out of love because they needed horses as a part of their life and, and they needed to trust them. And there's been this tradition who used horses to make them look good. And I don't think that it's any different now. It's, you know, you read, you study, and all throughout history, there are people who were able to seemingly work magic with horses because they were able to hear horses, because they were able to listen. And I think that that's kind of the, I think that that's the the big thing that I'm finding with my work is like, it's like. It's understanding that in working with energy, when we have these tight spots, like in our bodies, when we're working with horses, that's the horse, you know, and we find resistance. It's usually the horse listening to the person who put that tight spot in our body and not us necessarily. You know what I'm saying? And so like, and I think that as long as we work out of that tight spot of of somebody else's memory in our body, like we're in a really babyish position, because we're not taking responsibility for our voice, you know, and I think that that's where a lot of tradition, that's where a lot of tradition lives. It, it, and I think that we have to kind of move from this place of, of, of babyishness, to the humanity of like children being open to the world. You know what I'm saying? And being open and experiencing and allowing ourselves to see and hear, and feel, and trust that, and and trust that first, (laughs) you know? Like, I think that that's been, that's been, that's been, that's been the thing that has really struck me in being able to use dressage, being able to use, being able to use some of the high school movements to heal these horses, to heal these horses' bodies, and minds, and, and, um, and I think that, you know, for me, it, it, it's becoming clearer and clearer. You know, tradition is, is, is worried about image. Um, authenticity is worried about identity. And there are two very, very different worlds. Um, and I think that, and I think that horses, the work with that I'm doing. Um, And it's been super cool because like veterinarians have flown in from around the country to watch the work and and see how this stuff is happening. Um, And it's just and it's just not doing anything, really. And when you really don't do anything, nothing is left undone. It's
0: so good. I hear you completely. You know, yeah, go ahead,
2: Leslie. I just had a question. I. I heard what you said. Authenticity is about identity and tradition is about what? I missed that connection you had there. I was image, trying to
3: follow. image.
2: Tradition is about image
0: and authenticity. And ath- and,
3: and, and and authenticity is about identity.
0: Can that translate to who I think I am and who
3: who I bring to the And complex? who I am. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Which to me goes back to You know. That, that ethics, you know, I don't know. I think ethics gets defined. Right.
3: right. Identity, identity, identity as, you know, from an ethical paradigm of a thing as a thing being an end in and of itself. And in a traditional paradigm is an, as a thing, as a means to an end.
0: Hmm. Josh. You have, you have some thoughts brewing back there. Anything that you want to sprinkle in? Uh,
4: yeah. You know, um, I I come from kind of a unique place where I, I desire with every essence of my being relationship, um, and I have found that often we see we see challenge as bad we see hard as bad. And often when we ask hard things or when hard things are asked of us or our horses, we've often seen it done in a way where uh, it has broken trust and relationship and therefore hard is then bad. But what I've observed with my wife and my horses and the work that we do is that it isn't necessarily the thing that we're doing, but it's the way. And that's why I, I talk about the universal language or the way we navigate this earth with such reverence, because we have to be careful not to observe that hard or challenge is actually unrelational in that sometimes it is. But yet in my work, there's so many times where hard is normal. And, and when we all look at what hard or challenging can do. It's that challenge that puts us into a space where it draws us deep inside ourselves. And most of us haven't got to where we are with ease. We've gotten there with hard. So if we can if we can infuse the heart and soul that every one of us is here for, inside of not needing external ease, but to have ease within us. Then what happens is hard deepens the roots, you know, because, because, you know, that's that. And that's what I've observed with my horses. Like I've got some horses, I'm looking at them right now and, and, and they're warriors. Like the things that they are able to do weren't necessarily easy in the beginning, but the depth and the root of the relationship based on being able to be in those challenges and then how we handle each other is where the depth comes so i find that and this is something that i kind of love to throw in as kind of a curveball for us all to kind of handle and i feel it as a bit of a sense that our community has to be aware of um and it's in that as we desire relationship it can sometimes uh appear or seem that we are omitting challenge or hard or struggle or whatever from the process which can make people feel like their world gets smaller when it isn't the challenges that are the problem it's the way it's the way we navigate it's not the struggles or the things that we necessarily ask it's how we process that builds the trust because there's the initial layer is building the trust and the connection and the second layer, and this is why I do play with pressure on purpose with my horses, because I want I want to investigate when they feel it, what do they think? I want to know those things before with the mindset that we're going to be doing some hard things. I want to build a process because for myself as well, and for people, generally our struggles come when we feel pushed on or we feel something hard. And our work navigates the capacity that we can be whole, but then yet the goal is, can we be whole and then move into hard areas and be a pillar of confidence and strength for anything that we're around? And then can the horses negotiate that as well with us? So the horse can have something, and this is a beautiful marriage between humans and horses is that we then give the horse something they've never had. Not the same way is a confidence under pressure instead of feeling like they need to run And it's the same for ourselves. So I guess in a long-winded way, I believe it's important for us to hold space first to empowerment and healing. Um, And then how does that then bring us into a space where we can feel and negotiate challenge without feeling like we need to take away the challenge because we've, we've coined the challenge as bad because of the way we've seen it handled. But I feel like there's a real power for us to, renegotiate how we handle that, that will impact such a huge part of the world. And that generally is my community who can sometimes discredit some of the work because in their mind, they don't see how you can do the work or do what we're doing and still do anything. So it's like, yeah, I'm not sure if that makes sense or not, but.
0: Um, Leslie, go ahead. You, you wanted to say something. I just want to ask Josh,
2: are you just talking about, I'm trying to, get that piece you're talking about there are you mm-hmm. talking about appropriate firmness
4: um maybe um I'm also talking about asking horses to to like getting to a place where a horse has to you know in my world work a cow um you know do, do things together that are not maybe easy and have we built a connection and has the connection we've developed allow us to go and do those things maybe the horse wouldn't if if they were without us, maybe they wouldn't do on their own. But in the building of no, the promise. trust, they can they can work to do those things now, and they feel empowered. And then my, that's really where my soul comes out is to watch a horse puff up and do things they wouldn't normally done, but now do with our mentorship. Um, yeah, so so not necessarily firmness in us dealing with them about something, but our relationship empowering them to do hard things. And I think I think that I think that this is kind of I think that this is kind
3: of where it's been super helpful for me is because a lot of my work, a lot of my work is built, is built, is built out of pain and Mm -hmm. is built out of immense struggle and is also built off of many people no longer believing that this creature is possible. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's it's understanding that it's understanding that for a lot of the horses that come to me, the struggle that their people have really gone through is continuing to love their horse enough to believe that they still deserve to be alive. Mm -hmm. Take, for example, that horse that I've been posting on Mateo, a 20 year old Missouri Foxtrotter who came to me a year ago next month with bone on bone bone on bone arthritis in his right front pastern he could not walk and it's been really really interesting to first work with him and this is where this is where the ideas of classical of some some of the ideas of classical dressage especially of, of, of the work of a man by the name of francois boucher his work with the flexions on the ground and helping horses find balance, um, first, first at a standstill and then at the walk, it allowed me to build this whole horses this horse's whole top line at a halt over a course of three months with with flexions of the pole, uh, the jaw and the release of the tongue with the bit, and this eventually it eventually. Came to be where you know he was able <laughs> to navigate the fear of it being painful by trying and seeing if it was actually going to be painful, and here we are. It's his. his he's not completely fused yet, and we have imaging from November, or December that it's not completely fused yet. But like this horse, as he's grown, he's he's come into the arena and he's like Nishan. Today, I'm ready to try you riding me. Nishan, today I'm ready to try you riding me and we'll try it with the bit because I'm afraid of bits and I can do it with the I can do it with the cabisson, but I'm afraid of the bit. So and that's where I mean, and and as we move, as he gets into this place of understanding that that. The struggle is trying enough to just see if the question will produce pain. Right. and being and being open to that and having all of the veterinarians and all of the vet farriers look on the side and like, you know like we all thought this horse was done, but this horse is like Nishan, get your little ass up in the saddle and let's go for a ride and let's I can only do 20 minutes to start, but we're starting and the thing and 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 the beautiful thing is is that back to Josh's point, like when we when struggle isn't bad, we don't feel like we need to be in control and that's where power is found when struggle isn't when struggle isn't bad we don't feel like we need to be in control because that's where power is found being and needing to be in control is is the offshoot of being afraid and we are taught to be afraid yes we're taught to be afraid being afraid is a cultural construct afraid of what well what were you what what is valuable to be afraid of fear is always there but for me fear is a light it lets me know where i'm disconnected and the road back to connection it's a very valuable thing but like being afraid is 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 a is a way is a cultural construct and so the fascinating thing about this horse has been watching him with ice and walking across ice, because in the beginning, when he was, when, you know, he would see ice and he would be walking just fine. And then he would see the ice and he would start to limp. He would start to limp. And now he sees ice and he just slows down and (laughs) takes his time and moves through. I mean, and so this is the whole process of, do you have the space enough to hold space for a horse to believe a horse or person to believe something new about themselves but you know understanding the body as emotional memory instead of physical circumstance because if we understand the body as emotional memory then energy is the key and if energy is the key then all we have to do to find our way is th- is know what we want to pay attention to energy follows attention like a shadow
0: Yes. And it goes
3: back to and it goes back to Leslie. It goes back to Leslie. Are we training the horse to understand or are we training the horse to correct? And, And you realize that people train horses in the way that people were trained to be. That's it. Thank you. You know, and so in teaching horses to believe something different about themselves, this is where the mastery of horses is for me. They make us believe something different and better about ourselves. So we can ask questions that they feel safe enough inside of to try and understand.
2: Could could I just address one line there? I mean, Mm -hmm. may I, may I say something? Absolutely. Just one small thing. I mean, at least as far as I've noticed, the horses don't really have any problems until we show up.
1: (laughs) And we're the ones who are always telling them that they're broken. And we're, you know, I think we've got this movement of like always approaching horses, like they're broken and there's something wrong with them instead of seeing all the things that are right, you know, and Moshe Feldenkrais said something that has really guided me through so much of my journey with myself and my horses. And that is, you know, with your own awareness of self or awareness of whatever you're relating to you set up the situation to hold space so that the impossible becomes possible. Mm -hmm. And then the possible some someday will become easy and, and then the ease will turn into elegance. And, you know, that is what's so, that's what's so beautiful and what is born from awareness. And, and that's what you're speaking so eloquently about um, now, Sean, is, is to hold that space and, and to open the healing um, environment by just offering the horses safety to try.
3: To try. And just the people try. too. And the people too. Because, you know, I have found that when these horses, you know, these horses carry so much of their people's love and in, in, in carrying that love, They also carry so much of their people's fuck ups, you know, I mean, because these horses bodies that come to me in, you know, it's karma catching up with an action in the past. (laughs) It It is it is it is the result of a choice that was continually made over and over and over again. And what you hear over and over and over again is that this is how I was taught to do it. Absolutely. And and then we see the result. And so like now for me, the mark of a good of a good horse person is how long do your horses last? Not what do they do? And I mean, and it helps me understand that, you know, every perfect bodied horse isn't healthy and every healthy horse isn't perfect bodied and that's okay. It's, it's that space in the middle where we where we can stop surviving ourselves and create what we need for ourselves to be in the world.
0: Well, I love this. And it makes me want to see if Shay has anything to share, because I think what we're talking about and, and actually, Nishan, I love what you just said about how, you know, considering a successful or a good horseman is asking how long their horses last. Uh, rather than what can they perform in a short amount of time. And I think it's a, it's a paradigm shift, you know, like we're talking about what humans are taught to think and value action and production and training and effort and the hard work in a certain way. And our, this conversation is about going back to where Jill started the, you know, the, the conversation with values can we shift what we find valuable and start to place a value on wellness and spaciousness and and openness and movement in in health and wellness rather than competition performance and intensity? But Shay, the work that you do also speaks to. Um, well, I'm going to let you speak to it. I really am curious where this is landing in your world because of the subtlety of the work that you do that not everybody seems to really understand just how valuable subtle can be.
5: Yeah, I um So I'm a thinker and it usually takes me about a week or so to come up with <laughs> what I want to say. So I'll try to get out what's mulling around in my head. Um, When, when Jillian first uh, started talking, the first three words that came to my mind were self-concept, embodiment, and presence. And our horses are, are, they are present and they, they are embodied. we have evolved into a culture of people who are not. And I think that might be one of the reasons that people are drawn to horses is because it helps helps them come back to themselves of how we're originally meant to be. But that can be a hard road for some people because, you know, there's a reason why somebody became very disembodied and it can be a long journey. Um, If you get into the more subtleties of it, the way horses communicate, they they can understand what we are orienting to. So when you start playing around with how little can I do to communicate with a horse, it can get pretty deep and it can get to a point to where if if i'm orienting too much on them if my focus is too much on i want you to do this sometimes that can be too much pressure and just taking your orientation back to our own breath our own body becoming more embodied helps helps that connection grow or even taking our our awareness, expanding it out, broadening it out to nature, and not not narrow focusing in on the task at hand, that alone can can create beautiful changes when you're working with a horse, or even with the body work that I do. Um, I teach people how to do that, and you can see the shift in the horse when when that connection happens, when when people shift their focus around, which is also a form of meditation, just changing where you're focusing to. The other thing I wrote down, so I wrote down little things as stuff came to my head, so I wouldn't forget. The other thing I wrote down was Orient to Health, and it was It was inspired after um, something Jillian said, how we can focus on what's wrong all the time, try to fix what's wrong and try and instead of trying to expand what's right and build on that. And in the craniosacral world, that's what that's what we um, are trained to do. Find what's working correctly in the body and expand on that. And what's ready to let go will let go. That that same concept can be applied with training. Find what's working well and expand on that. Is it it could be something as simple as your connection? If you have that relationship and that connection, the training part comes easy. <laughs>
0: It's much easier to be clear when you orient toward where things are already working because you're not trying to solve all sorts of problems to get to the place where you feel safe enough or or able to address what you think is the real problem. It's not you're not managing problems anymore. you're simply delighting in what's in front of you. And yeah. it clears the space, it clears the air, not just in, uh, in relation to horses, but also when you're working with students or you're just walking in town or connecting with your family. You know, this is why being with the ponies and applying all of this with the ponies does give us the opportunity to look at our own value systems and it it really does shine a light on who I am and how I'm functioning in the world Um, we're actually there's a there's a conversation going on parallel to this today um, with Mark Rashid and Steve Peters and we're talking about teaching and about how self-awareness in in a teacher can empower students Mm -hmm. to learn and t- staying staying curious as a teacher creates and offers that space of safety. And so, starting with horses, like that's how I I felt safe in the world is standing next to horses. But it always led me, sometimes begrudgingly, to um, to really explore relationships with humans and in exploring the relationship with humans, it brought horses right back into my world, but at a depth of heart that require, we don't require anything of each other. So, you know, it's it's it truly is friendship with another species that facilitates and makes more easeful and graceful my relationships with humans. And that to me goes back to, you know, what Charles is talking about, what we're all talking about. Because we, of course, we're going to have relationships with humans. Why not include that in our realm of what we are discovering among horses and with horses and um, from horses? That's that's my orientation anyway, because it's so easy to stay judgmental of humanity. But what does that get anybody? Why not really rest in an open heart and um, show up as that open heart, regardless of the species in front of me. Go ahead, Leslie.
2: Yeah, just, I'm listening to all of these things and I'm mixing them all together. I'm trying to get it to go like this in one nice thing. And all I'm coming up with again and again is it isn't the horse that pays our bills. So you better get along with people. <laughs> In there <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know when i was I mean, teen- that cutting horse josh talking about whether he likes a cow or not if that he doesn't get that cow to teach that horse how to deal with that cow he isn't going to pay his board right and it, yeah. you know i mean so in the end you do what you have to do and then the question is you look at yourself in the mirror at night or you listen to your feedback from your family or your wife or whatever josh was saying uh, probably not that different in Canada that it is down here with people and their husbands and wives, you know, you are who you are and you're going to get your feedback at home. But in the end uh, that horse has to understand you and he's going to either get appropriate firmness, inappropriate firmness. He's going to get educated or corrected. And to some degree, you got to pay the piper because the piper's paying you. And if that customer that's hiring you to deal with those horses can't understand where you're coming from you're going to need to get a new line of work or expand out to get the kind of people you might not prefer to have as customers i mean that's one of the great challenges in this industry is do you want to work with the people you like do you need to like all the people you work with how fussy can you afford to be you know, because a lot of times the people that are going to pay your bills are not exactly helping you with your personal trajectory on refining your uh, authenticity and your identity in a way that. Well, feels better, I would, I, would, I, would,
3: I, would I, I, I hear you, but I disagree. I think that I think that um, I think that, you know, the people who who I work with are very clear.
2: Um, I'm just talking about everybody in the. Whole yes. And, and, and,
3: and I and, and I'm and I'm and I'm saying that this might be one of the big one of the because, see, the thing is, this is the other thing, Leslie, like, you know. People expect to treat trainers like shit. And when trainers stop allowing themselves to be treated like that, then there are also some things changed because I can That's tell right. you. I can tell you I have had people come to my barn come to my home that I own and tell me how they think that I should run it and I let them go because I realized that they needed me to be less than to work with them and that's just not okay Did I did I did I did I, did I struggle for a bit Yes of course I did but it was it was worth it it was worth it because well, the
2: thing I don't is, th- I don't, I don't think we the disagree. The thing is, is that there,
3: there are, yeah, okay, but there, but the thing is, is that the thing is, is that when this is, and this is also what I have found, that when people see the results of your work and how happy your horses are with you, if they want your help, they will change.
2: That's right. That's what my experience is as well.
3: Yeah. You know, I mean, and so it's like, and it's like, so yeah, it's, 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 and I think that this is, I mean, and I'm, I'm all sappy all of the time, but like, this is where for me, it's all about love. And in that part, in any healthy relationship, people are very clear about how they want to be treated and they let other people know that. And I think, right, but that's a that's a learned skill. Yes, it is. A, so so it's 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 as much of a learned skill as being afraid of not speaking up and feeling like you have to take people shit.
0: Right, and it goes back to what I heard Josh talking about as well. With you know those of us in this conversation, especially doing work professionally, did not get here because things were always easy. You know, each of us went through discovering who we are and walking ourselves through hard things and discovering what what who, what part of myself can I bring forward into this. So, at least if nothing else, I feel safe with myself. And then I have more of that purity to bring to the conversation to say, you know, no thank you to that client or to even be relaxed enough within myself to recognize when a client is showing up having a hard time, but they are genuine and sincere in their request for help. Because, you know, it it is a skill to learn how to listen to people and to recognize when there's a manipulative pattern going on and they do want you to be less than in order to work with you, or when they're just having a, they're having a hard day themselves and they're showing up um, just their, their very presence is the request for clarity to help them see what they really want. And that is absolutely about knowing my, what I'm about as a, I don't know, an assistant that's probably as a
3: helper. Yeah.
0: Josh, you unmuted yourself a while ago. Is there anything you wanted to toss in here?
4: Um, yes. I I just feel like in all of this conversation, I feel like there's kind of two big pieces. And there's the the healing side. So if things are struggling with a horse or a person, then what is happening becomes overstimulating. And we have to take a step back and work on healing and regrouping and figuring out what the needs are and healing the body. And that's generally a sense of stepping back. And part of our conversation has been surrounded around moments that necessitate stepping back and rebuilding. And then I think that was kind of where maybe I was going a little bit with the empowerment side so there's healing and empowerment and healing always causes us to have to remove stimulation generally um and then empowerment is learning the skill set of being able to take your healing into challenging moments and and create something new out of that moment so then that's with people with horses you know that that kind of measurement is happening in my mind all the time when I'm listening to someone cuz you can hear by the way, a person or a horse is communicating in a moment, is there a kind of a healing necessary? Or is this a moment where they can take what the the base that they have, and they can step into challenge? And, And I guess that's kind of where I was kind of going with that is I feel like we need to hold both of those pillars up really high, and be able to share with people when they need to step back and rebuild. And we're really in a big space in that in the world right now because there's just so there's a lot of broken pieces there's a lot of people that are seeking healing and they need to figure out how to do that but then there's also the moment of okay so now we've got that now how do we step into the world and use those skills and do hard things because to me so much fun and excitement is when we can brave that sense of like venturing into challenge and and finding success or fun or whatever it might be so kind of like and, and it seems like part of our conversation, you know, even when Shay was speaking about, you know, stepping out and then, you know, using breath to engage a moment. And I think you shared a little bit of that's empowerment. You're stepping into something challenging, using it. You're stepping into something that's challenging and using a skill. Well, you can only do that when there's enough base. And if you can't do that, then that's a moment where it's okay to step back and work on healing. And then for some of our horses, we're stepping back and we're removing and then regrouping. And then in other scenarios, it. I, I really do feel like our work really does need to represent that as well as how do you then take the work and step into hard spaces? And I think that's what I was trying to address Leslie was, you know, how can you take the work and then go into hard places? Because, you know, that is also such a need for those that, you know, would maybe like to step back, but also need to know how to step forward. But anyways, I have to run. I just wanted to drop that and I'm going to have to go to another meeting, but thank you so much, everybody. It's great to see everybody.
0: Thank you, Josh. Talk to you soon. Bye, Josh. Bye. Thank you. Could I ask Jillian a question? Absolutely, smurfly. I hope you will.
2: <laughs> Jillian, now you brought, you, you, you this is all your fault, honey. You did a great job for us today. So uh, do you think that in your understanding of Charles's book, which I will open again and take a look at do you think that um is there anything that was discussed here that would reflect what you feel is the message you're getting from the study of that great work
1: yeah i you know leslie what i think is really interesting is i read that book about 10 years ago and and now it it's like i'm reading a completely new book because I'm just in a different place in my life so I can see it through a a different lens. Um, He also talks a lot about um, dressage and I'm not talking about competitive dressage. I'm just talking about healthy movement. Uh, Healthy movement also is um, restorative Mm -hmm. of the mind and the body. And if you look at emotion, emotion, what is it? E dash motion it's motion right so really all this comes down to in terms of communicating through physicality is is a shaping of energy it's a shaping of mental energy and it's a shaping of physical energy and it's it's something that i love so much about shay's work is uh that what she was talking about in terms of what I, I would call as the Zen is that you allow your, your expansion to always be happening in motion when you're working with horses. And, and if you can continue to allow your energy to expand, you can't help but offer space to, right. to that other being that, that, that you're with. So Charles in, in his book, consistently spoke of the shaping of energy and the restoration and that because we choose to have the relationship with them that it's our responsibility to, to go deep to dive deep and and then to tie that on to what josh is saying is yes i think it's exciting to embrace the idea of be, becoming comfortable with being uncomfortable because that's where growth happens and um you know, we see that Leslie and horses, like I'll have somebody come in with a horse that might have a little bit of emotional difficulty because the human wasn't clear with the horse. And so when the horse starts to um, express, however, that horse chooses to express their uncertainty, I see a lot of, uh, of my students, they'll back away. They'll try to make it make themselves small so so there is no anything to butt up against right and and i have to help facilitate that relationship between that horse and human by saying just see them through it don't back away and that you know there there are boundaries and and like you said i I didn't i didn't know your your language leslie but it really made sense to me like where you've got appropriate boundary and clarity (laughs) Appropriate firmness. Yes, appropriate firmness, which I think is sometimes lost as, as we're trying to be, be so nice that then we start to lose clarity with the horses and, and, and then that can set up a, maybe not a, a safe situation. So well,
2: what, if that, <laughs> what if I could interject what it does and why it ties into what I was talking about earlier is that that failure to observe your own parameters and the techniques that are involved actual yes techniques not esoteric concepts or different stuff like this that's sort of uh, elusive uh, uh, techniques for appropriate firmness that will eliminate the need to set the horse up to fail so that he's then corrected instead of educated. This is what I'm getting at, is that if you observe these things and you're ready to back up your boundaries with an appropriate firmness and not a correction and know the difference, then everybody gets to win and move forward with the idea that you're setting the horse up to succeed without looking for his faults and trying to correct him.
1: I, I love that. I love that. And and I and I think it it just goes back to that redirecting of the energy, you yep. know. It, it's just it's just a, a a redirectioning instead of that that firmness. And then oh, I've got to fix this. But like I I also just see that sometimes people don't see the horse through a troubled place, and so they kind of leave the horse hanging there in trouble because they back away, they're either afraid they're going to get hurt or they're afraid they're going to make a mistake, as opposed to holding space and seeing the horse through that uncomfortable moment in in, a, a, in an aware way. That
2: takes experience, though, and that takes yeah. experience to be confident enough to do that, and that's where I come in with my final point I want to make because I do have to get back on the road. But there is a the time and place to gently say to people, who are not ready or have no try or have had the try taken out of them or are more involved with, as you were talking about, the imagery of being successful or not being comfortable with firmness of any kind because they don't feel nice or in somehow way, whatever it is. But anyway, the, 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 the downward spiral of the lack of technique or the lack of skill successful experience sure. that does reduced skill is going to be a, a a phrase that I've used a lot more than I ever thought I would need to since COVID. And that is, I think you'll be happier working with someone else for a while. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. That's a, a, a totally okay, okay place to go. Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm saying. And then they don't have to feel like a loser. They're free to go and get their hand held elsewhere or let someone else beat the horse up for them if that's what they still need to see and this is what this is what i'm saying is out there
3: yeah and i think that and i think that what i'm saying is that that that's exactly the point that i'm getting to is that you're not responsible for how they feel they Mm -hmm. are
2: yeah that's right and i I think (laughs) i think I, i think
3: that that's i think that that's and i think that that's where i was saying i think that a lot of people a lot of people try and bait trainers specifically by trying to make trainers responsible for how they should feel. Mm-hmm. And, I that, and, 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 and I think that this is where it's super important. And this is, and, and I wasn't meaning, and, 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 and I think that what when I, I, when I heard you say about the skill and the technique, I'm not, I'm not talking about, I, that is a tradition for sure. That's an education. But it's an it's it's an authentic education and not That's the it. illusion. It's not the illusion of an education. Like you don't wear certain clothes and the skills automatically rain down on you like 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 a spirit or something like this is practice this. And, and I think that that is where that is where that is where the line, that very fine line between judgment and observation is. In observation, you see what's wrong and you you know enough about yourself and the situation and your work to trust that you can tell this person that, look, this is the way that we need to go. This is what I see. Or I can't help you. Judgment is like, well, what are people going to think about me if I tell this person that they're not any good, you know?
0: And is that and I- act- if I'm judging in that way, does that actually represent who I am? And to me, it all comes down to going back to the ethics to me.
3: Yeah. It, which is trust
0: and safety. Am I true to myself? And do I know myself well enough to be true to myself? And yeah, I think we could launch an entire other conversation right from this point. But we're at our, our 60 minutes. And I want to <laughs> offer that as well. Yeah. Um, everybody you're so brilliant thank you this is such a brilliant gathering nishan you have something I
3: i i just have one point one more point and i think that and i think that and this is what i see in my mind when i hear leslie talk i think that the person i think that the teacher helping the person should be what the person needs to be for the horse they need to be able to hold like like the teacher can hold the space for the student. The teacher should teach the student how to hold the space for the horse.
0: Mm-hmm. I absolutely hear you. To, it, it, to me, it's all about like you know, like Jill was saying, it is about um creating the space within which ease can happen. happen. And it's a totally different paradigm than what we were taught to make it happen, solve the problem, do the thing, prove the this and the that. And so, I mean, I think it just helps to it helps create gentleness to acknowledge that Mm -hmm. this thing we're pointing at each of us in our own way, which I love. Notice how many different ways there are to talk about the same thing, right? It really comes down to self-discovery what am i about what am i bringing to this conversation and how can i create the space within which we can all find ourselves whether we're Mm a human or a horse and how can we assist each other yep here's my skill set if you'd like to learn some of this i'm happy to share it and oh there's a skill you know here's somebody whose skill set seems more appropriate for the direction you're going, go to Leslie, or go here or go here. And in that there is honor to assist people, you know, me turning somebody away or redirecting them can be the greatest honor to say, you know what I recognize, here's what I recognize of where you're at. Let's go try this out. I'm not going to hold on to you just to make myself feel good that I'm I'm good at what I do. That's not right i'm about and i think the more we come from that that place of trueness in our heart we know our own heart it gets easier and easier to direct redirect or welcome or that welcome and then redirect whatever it is that all of that to me um it's it it applies in every direction whether it's hands on horses or talking to people or any in any relationship really but um I think,
2: I just want to say, I think the concept of goodbye could be a good topic for our next.
3: The gift of goodbye, for sure.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, I mean, goodbye is a concept that a lot of people have trouble with. Uh, It's a very freeing notion. And uh, it doesn't have to be loaded. It doesn't have to be negative. It can just be the release of
0: someone to uh, be themselves better. Amazing, yeah. amazing, Leslie. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, everybody, so much uh, for this conversation, and um, yeah, we'll we'll look forward to so much more.